Studios. You are listening to the Lance J Radio Network. Paragon 7 Studios. Once again, shout out to everybody listening on WOL in D.C. our first week. Please follow me. I'm not a big, I only have 833 Instagram followers. But but if you want to to, to interact with, with me outside of, of our daily program, follow me at Paragon 7 Studios on the gram. The best artists, I was talking earlier in the week about, about Drake and Kendrick Lamar and um, Kanye West to a lesser extent some of the best artists the qualities that they have they they really share a lot about their personal lives and they share a lot about what's going on inside of them so they they talk about their emotions they talk about stuff that they've gone through they talk about their dreams and aspirations that's what separates people where it's just business where you're kind of building family really truly build rapport with your with your audience. I was I was talking about as an MC, Drake does a great job at that. You know, people make fun of him for being quote in his feelings. But he puts him he wears his heart on his sleeve. He puts himself out there. Kendrick Lamar puts himself out there. Kendrick Lamar's albums all show his progress as a human being. So Good Kid Mad City, he's just this young guy from Compton that's seen a lot of crime that may have participated in crime. And he's talking about that. Then he gets to Pimp a Butterfly, which is my favorite album. And I think it's the best album in hip-hop history. A lot of people disagree with me on that, but it's my show. So that's how that's how we're rolling. That's how we're promoting it. I think to Pimp a Butterfly is the best album in hip-hop history. I'm not the only person that thinks that. Metacritic also thinks that. And that's our that's our our, our brothers and sisters of Caucasian descent that they don't really care about the culture. They're just like, darn, that's really good music. And to Pepper Butterfly, Kendrick Lamar is rich now. He's not, he's not from the hood anymore. He's rich, but he's still got the goons with him. So he talks about, talks about being at the Grammys and he has people that, people that are in his circle that are still thinking with a trap mentality. And they see people with the Rolexes on, you know, they want to, they want to put the ski mask on and, you know, pull out, pull out the, pull out the heat, you know, the toast, and tell people to run it. Then you get to the album, Damn, and he's just on some different stuff. Like, he's not even, he's rich, rich. He's on some comic, uh, some cosmic type stuff. And really at his zenith as far as creativity and, and putting music together, where he creates an album, which it means two different things. If you play it forwards, meaning the songs, in sequential order, it means one thing. If you start with the last song and play that to the first song, it means something completely different. Almost like uh, this is a fork in the road. And my life could have went left or it could have went right. So it could have been from start to beginning. It could have been start to finish. Excuse me. It could have been from finish to start. And this is what my life could have been. 
Well, I want to do that a little bit with my audience. I don't, I don't really talk about my family a lot on the show. I don't have a reason to talk about my family a lot on the show. I don't talk about my family on social media. It's just not a personal preference and policy of mine, but um, I would be remiss if I didn't spend a few minutes reflecting on my grandfather who passed away a couple of weeks ago. My grandfather, Charles Bradford, was a legendary preacher, especially in the Seventh-day Adventist community. He was bigger than life. He was a man of extreme talents. A great preacher and perhaps a greater executive for the church and the denomination that I belong to and grew up around. And I grew up knowing that my grandfather was special. He was, he was in an executive role. He was head of, of the entire denomination of my church in North America. So he was the head of, of, of United States and Canada and Mexico, Bermuda, Bahamas. And that meant something back then. Uh, now our church is more global. But back then, I think like 90% of the members were in were in United States or 80% or some obscenely large. And that's where the majority of the membership was. That's where the money was. That's where the power was. My grandfather was a very powerful man. My, if, you, if you come to my house, you see pictures of my grandfather with President Carter and President Reagan. And he lived in Silver Springs. At a beautiful home in, in Silver Springs. I grew up knowing that my grandfather was special because of what he did. People would tell me, they say, hey, James, you're going to grow up to be just like your grandfather because your grandfather's special. He's a man of God. He's a man of character. He's an elite speaker. I'm a pretty good speaker. Not anywhere close as good to him. But I was told as a as a five, six, seven year old by people all the time that that hey, you're gonna be you're gonna be just like your grandfather. I remember my grandfather having me to sit on his lap at his desk. Now, this back in the 80s, you didn't have a lot of black CEOs at that time. I remember my mother bringing me in to to see my grandfather at the at the North American Division offices and general conference offices of Seventh day Adventist Church. And my, grandpa, my grandfather always wanted me to sit on his side of the desk. And I thought that I was really weird. I'm like eight, seven. He insisted that I sat on his side of the desk. And sometimes I'd sit on his lap. Other times he'd get out of his chair and he'd say, Jay, come sit here. Sit, sit in my seat. And he would tell me, he said, one day you're going to sit here and you're going to run this church. Now that didn't happen. But that set the tone for, for who I became. Because as a seven-year-old, eight-year-old, my grandfather told me that when I grew up, I was going to sit in his seat. And that's what I aspired to be. And it's so important with, with parents. You know, I think old school men, you know, as I was talking to my good friend, John Nixon, um, 
he's putting some clips of his son and him playing basketball. His son's getting to where he's getting a little bit better than than him at basketball, or at least it's competitive. I went to college with John. John's a good basketball player. He wants to see his son be nicer than him. And that, all, that wasn't always the way with our parents and the baby boomers and the greatest generation before that. Some of our parents wanted to kick the crap out of us until the very moment that they couldn't anymore. But John was explaining to me, he's like, man, you know, I want my son to have more confidence than me. I want him to be better than me. I want him to be smarter than me. I want him to be more successful than me. I want him to be a better father than me. I want him to have more faith than me. And my grandfather was always like that. And him and I had a very, very special relationship. People always said that he was special because of what he did. As I got to know my grandfather, as he aged and got older and more frail, he was special to me because of who he was. He wasn't special to me just because he was a great preacher and a dynamic man of God and funny and charismatic and successful and almost an iconic figure within my religious structure. He was special to me because as he got into his 90s, I became his chauffeur the older and older he got. I was a person that would take him to Baskin Robbins to go get some daiquiri ice and some cherries jubilee. I say, hey, granddad, we got to eat this because if grandma finds out that you're having this ice cream, she'll be upset. I was the person that if he wanted to go and get some some eggplant parmesan, I'd be like, let's let's ride. He loved riding around with me. If you see pictures on on my Instagram page, you see a lot of pictures of me and my grandfather in the car riding around. And we would just talk. I, I had a very intimate relationship with my grandfather. My grandfather was being treated for prostate cancer back in 1998. I was in college. I went and stayed with them and, and took him to all of his appointments. And took him to his treatments. We drove from Spring Hill, Florida to Orlando, Florida, where his treatments were. And we really developed a fantastic relationship. And that relationship was extremely important to me. My grandfather was one of my best friends. We had a lot of great times together as he aged. And my grandfather lived to be 96 which is amazing. Um, I, I watched him. We were, I was with him the day that he passed away. He was surrounded by his family. He was surrounded by people praying for him, loving on him. And my grandfather experienced some serious health decline right around March, April. And I remember going to see him in ICU. Wasn't doing well. I go into ICU I'm going to see my grandfather. I'm all kind of tearing up and and sad because this person's been with me for so long and been such a a leader. You know, him and my dad, just my two figures, role models. And I went over to see him. He looked up at me. And I was expecting for him to say something extremely profound. And he said, son, he said, could you give me a diet ginger ale instead of the diet Dr. Pepper? And I said, of course, you'll get you whatever you want. I go get the soda that he wants. I come back. I sit down. I'm trying not to cry. And he looks at me. He says, I'm 96 years old. What were you expecting to have happen? 
And then he took a sip of his soda and he said, he said, Jay, he said, take it like a man, son. Take it like a man. I start laughing. I'm in ICU with my grandfather and I'm laughing. So much so that the nurse kind of comes to peek by to see what's going on. And that was the essence of who my grandfather was. He was happy. He was ready to, to meet Jesus and, and there are different interpretations of the Bible. My denomination doesn't believe that people go directly to heaven after, after they pass on and, and all of that. I don't know what's true and what's not true, but I know that my, my 96 year old grandfather was ready. He was happy. I would go see him at the facility as his health deteriorated and I'd get there, I'd get there sometimes it'd be like 10 in the morning. And later on he was having trouble. He really wasn't able to use his hands like he could. He'd have his Bible open and he'd be turned the page with his index finger of his right hand that he could barely use anymore. And he was a man that was at complete peace and knew where he was going, knew what his life had been. My grandfather won. He was, he was 96. My grandmother's gorgeous. She's an absolute smoke show. She'd be mad if she heard me say that. But I look at my grandfather's life. He, he won. He, he, he never ran or exercised. He lived to be 96. He ate good. He was a leader. He traveled across the world. He's baptized thousands and thousands of people. But most importantly, he was just a great person to be around. He loved baseball. He used to talk to me about playing second base and shortstop and making the, 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 the pivot at second place on the double play. And he talked to me about stuff like that. He talked to me about getting his haircut at the same place in Harlem. And sometimes the, Ilana, the honorable Elijah Muhammad would be there. He talked about seeing Father Divine and Daddy Grace preached. Those are the things that he shared with me. And as he aged, he encouraged me to step up and be a leader, to take more of a role in being a leader within my family, to encourage others, to encourage people that, that were in the, the work of Christ, the Christian work, the work of saving souls, and he spent a lot of time pouring, pouring into me. And I, I celebrate him. I will miss him. I will miss that I can't speak to him anymore and, and chat it up with him about sports. He loved black quarterbacks. He was always, because he, he would talk about the days where blacks couldn't play quarterbacks. He'd always, he, loved, he loved Cam Newton. My grandfather loved Cam Newton. He loved RG3 too, but that didn't go too well. But he loved Cam Newton. And I miss those days spending time talking to him about these various topics. But I tell you, when someone runs the race and they live a great life and they're loved by their family and, and they're vulnerable and they leave it all on the table, it's not the same. It's not the same. My, my grandfather was a four-star general in the Army of Christ, and he has earned his rest. And, and although I miss him, I don't shed tear because he left me with so much, and I spent every second that I could possibly spend at his feet learning. And it was really a pleasure. And I'm really blessed that I had that opportunity to spend so much time with him. And when I reflect on it, it really makes me happy. I look forward to seeing my grandfather again in, in God's eternal kingdom on the sea of glass. Thank you for listening to my story. Love you, granddad. Rest in peace. We'll see you real soon. Lance J. Show. You are done.
fired. Do not show your face at the laundry again. Stay away from Pinkman. Do not go near him. Ever. Are you listening to me? Or else you'll do what? What did you say? Stay away from Pinkman. Or else you'll do what? You are listening to the Lance J Radio Network. It's time to switch to T-Mobile. Right now, pay zero cost when you do. Keep your number and keep your phone. We'll even pay it off. Only at T-Mobile, the leader in 5G. Black women are fierce, brilliant, courageous, dope. Black women are making a difference, making history, and changing the world. I think about all of the black women who have showed up to fight for justice. We are starting to finally accept all the skills and talents a woman can bring to the table. Urban One, thank you. This one is so special. This is your boy Rampage, first lieutenant of the Universal Flipmo Squad. Learn more about group insurance benefits with Engagement Health. Call to speak to an advisor today at 832-219-5829. Tell them that the Flatbush King sent you. He's the paragon of sports talk excellence. The Heisenberg of broadcast radio. The Wolf of Wall Street. You are listening to James Lewis III, host of the Lance J Radio Network. Eli, if you're still listening, hit me up in my DM Instagram at Lance J Radio Network. I am going to send you a pair of Jordans. I cannot allow you to go. School's about to start, I believe, this week in Houston. I cannot let you go into school. I believe Eli is either in eighth grade or a freshman in high school. I can't allow him, Jeremy, to go into school wearing a pair of James Harden's. I don't care if it is Cleveland. I mean, excuse me, if it is um, got Cleveland on the mind. I don't care if it is in Houston. I can't allow that to happen. Like, he's got to have a pair of J's or something that's presentable. I, I totally agree. And I'll take a pair of J's as well. Thanks, buddy. I, I don't know about that. We'll have to talk J's offline. J's for but, everybody. Um, it's just, you know, if, you, if you're trying to trying to holler at the young ladies, man, you can't, you can't have some Harden's on. I digress, though. Getting into the fact that we're in the summer, on the back end of the summer, school's about to start, NFL training camp is going on, and you have the preseason and all of that stuff. Um, you're starting to get the NBA schedules. You're getting into the last of the long, hot summer and kind of the dog days of summer. I had to get out some of my non-sequitur and non-sports takes, and I've been pontificating on this one for a while. Um, I do top five dead or alive occasionally, uh, they're they're the the Lance Day Radio Network power rankings. I will throw in a non sports topic every once in a while, and I've been wanting to do this one for a while. I've been arguing on Facebook 
and on Instagram about this. So I'm going to do a top five dead or alive on the best cereals in the history. And Jeremy, you're always welcome to be a part uh, of the top five dead or alive. You can oh, chime I in. Have Ray, a Ray lot is not of here. Ray is not here this week. Uh, Ray's not feeling well. Her and I were arguing about this all week. Um, but I'm going to do a top five dead or alive best cereals in the history. Now, before I start, I preface it. I grew up in a house where I was not allowed to eat really, really good cereal. Um, my parents didn't want my teeth to rot. They didn't want me to get fat. Um, they actually did the right thing. I grew up eating basic four and Rice Krispies with no sugar, just the real basic stuff. It wasn't until I got to college, and in many ways it wasn't until I was an adult where I could make my own decisions, where, where I started having my own cereal, and then subsequently I started having a cavity occasionally and, and started getting fat. So I guess my parents were right, uh, but we're going to go beyond that. So cue the music. Here's the top five. Dead or Alive for, for Cereals, uh, Last Day Radio Network. Number five, Honey Nut Cheerios. Now, I started by saying that Honey Nut Cheerios embodies what I was allowed to eat. I wasn't allowed to eat cereal with a lot of sugar in it, so we never had any of the real sugary cereals in my house. That just was not an option. Every once in a while, I was able to get my hands on some Honey Nut Cheerios, usually when I was at my grandparents' house. And if you get some Honey Nut Cheerios... It's kind of good for you. You know, it has the the the, the bran and, and all of that stuff that's in Cheerios. You know, it's good for your cholesterol and good for your heart. But it has that splash of honey nut. And if you're me and you're able to sneak, my mom was an avid uh, tea drinker. So we always had honey in the house. And then I would take honey and pour it on the Honey Nut Cheerios, making it a, a, a very good uh a very good breakfast. Also, Kevin Garnett said that uh, Carmelo Anthony's wife, Lala, tasted like Honey Nut Cheerios. So that's another reason that they're, they're the number, number five on the list. Number four, Frosted Flakes. Now, Frosted Flakes is the quintessential bad-for-you, sugary, um, too many grams of sugar, not good for your kids and teeth breakfast. It's basically, you know, it's in the, the Kellogg's family of cereals. You have Raisin Bran and you have Special K. It's all the same crap. Like, uh, there's no difference between Frosted Flakes and and Raisin Bran or any of the other cereals except for the fact that Frosted Flakes are completely coated end-to-end in sugar. Now, I wasn't allowed to have Frosted Flakes growing up as a kid. That was like contraband in the house. But once again, Jeremy, if you remember school lunch, school breakfast. Yes, I do. You had those little boxes. The, they had the little you boxes. You the little boxes. Yeah. So, see, my parents didn't know that when they sent me to school for breakfast, they had the little itty-bitty box, and you could pour the milk it, into uh, the into box. Because the bags were coated exactly. with uh, wax. Exactly. Yeah. Coated in wax, polyurethane bags. So I was able to get my fix occasionally for Frosted Flakes, and that's why Frosted Flakes is, is my number four. I wouldn't advise eating that every day. Number three, I'm going to hit people with a curveball because people aren't going to be expecting this. To me, the third best cereal, and I discovered this cereal as an adult, is Captain Crunch Crunch Berries. Now, Captain Crunch within itself is not really that good. It's kind of funny tasting. It's kind of this half wheat, half corn pop type of thing. You know, it's in the same genres as as corn pops. I tell you, Kellogg's, I I happen to be a seven-day Adventist. And Kellogg's is owned by the by the Seventh Day Adventist 
Corporation. Kellogg's is, is, is up in Berrien Springs, Michigan. And it's funny because Seventh-day Adventism, a lot of people in, in the Adventist church are, are vegan and, uh, you know, preach about different lifestyles and sugar. Kellogg's has probably killed zillions of people with this with this type of cereal. So it's kind of it's very very funny um, for individuals that are listening from Oakwood University that that grew up around the Seventy Avenue Church. And, and and Captain Crunch leaves like a film in your mouth. It leaves a film, but a positive film to me. It might not be a positive film to you, but those crunch berries, if you get the right mixture oh, yeah. of the berries, and it leaves great milk. Just to have, if you run out of the cereal and you have that milk and you have the, the red and the green and the blue swirling around the milk and you can kind of drink what's rest what's left of the milk, that's a great feeling. And crunch berries, when, when I got into college, I started eating crunch berries, that was always the way that I would start my morning on a Sunday with, with some crunch berry cereal. Then I'd go out and play some ball and, and do stuff that you do when you're 20, 21 and have a good metabolism. Have you ever had Oops All Berries? It's all the berries. I've never had. That. That's interesting. So it's all berries. That it's is really, is. really interesting. Yeah, I, I did not good. know that. Number two, as we get into the top two, Golden Grab cereal. Now, Golden Grab is more in the cinnamon toast crunch category. It's that type of cereal. It's a flat, like a wheat, um, you know, type of cereal. But Golden Grams just has the perfect mixture and splash of, of, of honey and it just tastes awesome. I used to eat Golden Grams, and I feel I feel ashamed. But you know, I was younger then, and 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 thin, and all this stuff. I would eat like four bowls of Golden Golden Grams at a time. Sometimes I would eat four bowls of Golden Grams at like eight thirty at night. Like I just had a craving for Golden Grams. Once again, it leaves the milk tasting so fantastic like the milk's just good you just can't get enough it's like something you just overeat and you eat and you eat and you eat and you eat you just can't stop eating it now i know that that's going to be controversial jeremy because a lot of people have different cereals that they like there are a lot of there are a lot of uh fruity pebbles people and some of the other ones but i see golden grams as the second best cereal that at least that i've ever had it's that i, I was surprised by that pick I'm going to be honest with you. I mean, it's not a bad cereal. I wouldn't put it in my top five. I mean, you know, listen, I'm just from from the younger kids' point of view, I'd say like that's an old man pick. You know what I'm saying? All right. Well, I'm, you know, I just turned 40, so I'm uh, kind of getting into the get off my lawn <laughs> territory. But then we get to the number one cereal of all time. Now, if you don't like it, hit me at Last Day Radio Network. Call in 602-260-1060. To me, this is not even up for debate. If you disagree with me, you're wrong. There's no, you know, I opened the show talking about, hey, we got to look at different sides of the corn. Darn that. There's only one proper answer for the number one cereal of all time. And that is Cookie Crisp. Oh, Cookie Crisp no. is the best no. cereal. There's nothing more. No. Cookie Crisp is literally starting your day with 150 small cookies dipped in milk. Oh. How can you beat that? Live from the Paragon 7 Studios. You are listening to the Lance J. Radio Network. Paragon 7 Studios. Did you?
Did you know that African-Americans have the lowest vaccination rates, but have experienced the largest decrease in life expectancy during the COVID-19 pandemic? Our HealthCast series brings in the best and brightest minds in the industry to focus on facts, not fear or political theater. Avoid shaming and misinformation. Research the data. Talk to your primary care physician about risk factors. Ultimately, it's your body and your decision. This is Lance J. Wishing you a happy and a healthy.